0: Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran. A podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowen, Pastor Adam Osher continue their discussion on the small called articles looking at an Old Testament passage and its application. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary, establishing students in the eternal and inerrant Word of God for a life of faith in Jesus Christ and faithful service to his kingdom since 1964. To learn more or apply, look at flbc.edu.
1: Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bowe. I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Adam Osher. All right. Welcome back, guys. We are in our Old Testament... Uh, episode in, in a, uh, a book that we, re, we haven't been in a lot, uh, Leviticus. Only once ever. Yes. Which we were all surprised that we had been in Leviticus even once. <laughs> no offense to Leviticus. I,
2: I would be curious, Brett, yeah. if you would come up with a list of the books of the
1: Bible we haven't done Ooh, yet. I would, yeah. I would imagine... There's probably more. There's a that,
2: fair pers- portion of the historical books, probably not a lot in Chronicles. We haven't
1: done anything in Deuteronomy,
2: Joshua, Judges. Deuteronomy yeah. surprises me a really? little bit. Yeah. And, and Joshua
3: Joshua
1: yep. surprises me a little bit And too. Judges Because didn't we do Sam We did Samson We've done a number done. of for Samuel, second Samuel yeah, we we yeah, haven't we done No, 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 Samson, Samson. Oh, Samson Didn't Samson. we talk
2: about Samson? He's come up I don't think we've ever done a study on The Nazarite episode Yeah, no, we did that on Didn't we do that on the Rechabites?
1: Uh, Jeremiah. Uh, yes, that sounds right. And there you yeah, are. Right.
2: Yeah, and then I would, I would, I would bet about half of the the right. minor prophets we haven't done, like Obadiah.
1: I, w- I would hazard <laughs> a guess that we've probably covered or had an episode in like 36 out of the 66 books. That's you know, my, my... What about the What about the New Testament?
2: Probably not Second Ooh. or Third John.
1: Philemon. Matthew
2: I think Luke, we've done a Philemon once. Really?
1: First Corinthians, second. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. First and second Thessalonians. Uh, we haven't done any Thessalonians. Any Thessalonians? No. Wow. This is fascinating Timothy, radio. But <laughs> <Peter. Yeah. laughs> yes. We haven't done second Peter, Jude, second or third John. Yeah, there's a couple. Jude surprises me a little bit
2: too, because yeah. you've got that whole passage on contending for the faith. Also the book of Enoch.
1: Ooh.
3: <laughs> you know what this teaches us? And, yeah. and I'm going to bring us back to justification here. Yeah.
2: Save us out of it. It shows us, Save us
3: our weakness, it shows us our failure. But do you know who did spend time in all of those books? Jesus.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag youth pastor voice. <laughs> So there
3: we are. We're, we're uh, well done. Uh, well, we're back well to Jesus. You back are Jesus. our only hope. Yes.
1: <laughs> and that's a good segue to, we are talking about justification. And uh, we are in Leviticus 16 today. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 29 through 34. I'll read those for us and then we can launch into our, our discussion here. It says, and I read in Jesus' name, and it shall be a statute to you forever that in the seventh month, To on the tenth day of the month you shall afflict yourselves and shall do no work, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest to you, and you shall afflict yourselves. It is a statute forever. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated as a priest in his father's place shall make atonement, wearing the holy linen garments. He shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tent of the meeting and for the altar, and he shall make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. And this shall be a statute forever for you, that atonement may be made for the people of Israel, once in the year, because of all their sins, and Aaron did as the Lord commanded Moses. Here ends the reading of God's word. Amen. Amen. But you know, uh, is this about atonement? It. It, it is. <laughs> yes. And
3: yeah, we did a little research over the course of between the last couple of episodes, and uh, I I do believe Brother Tyndale was With Tyndale,
2: not Wycliffe. Yeah, so I was wrong twice. Exactly. I, ah.
3: which is yeah, it's. There's something satisfactory
2: about that. About me being wrong? Yeah. (laughs) I would like to point out, however, that I was spot on in calling you the Scott staff of American theologians. (laughs) (laughs) And I said 20 years ago, that would have been a compliment. So thank you.
3: (laughs) I appreciate that. You know, we we were talking about um, atonement a couple of episodes ago as being... Uh, Tyndale, as he was writing, uh, trying to find the right word for what this relationship to uh, uh, God—you know, what's being described here—and it's a a day of bringing two together, bringing you know to to be at one. Uh, And we make fun of it like it's something like we say like we can't cross Christ out of Christmas with Xmas and all those things, and we have all these (laughs) backstories that we tell to be pious. But truthfully, I think that that's where it came from. So we are, Brett, talking about atonement at
1: one one moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, I guess the, just a cursory read of these verses, it it feels a little bit like the people are carrying out atonement. Uh, how, how would you respond to somebody that would no, say that? No, I think yeah. what's
2: so interesting about this is that the priest does the act of atonement, and very specifically mm-hmm. about the people, uh, is that you shall do no work. Mm. Hmm, And it's now as a religious festival, it means that you're not to be crassly working on your job while this is happening. You are supposed to be present in this moment. But I think the spiritual implications of this, you are to do no work and the priest atones for your sin. So the starting point here Mm -hmm. is the role Jesus plays in Leviticus 16 is both the priest and the lamb. Okay. Goats. The goat. Well, yeah. dose, goats. dose goats. Dose goats. Yes, two goats. Sounds like a good restaurant. And
3: one. One is killed, and in his blood is sprinkled on the altar. The other is uh, the the priest lays his hands on the the head of the goat and uh, imputes the sin of the people onto the goat, and the goat is sent off into the wilderness and away. And so yeah. what you have Escaped is a scapegoat. Yeah, yeah.
2: The sca- Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: what you have is the picture of. You have the, the, the atonement for sin, or the, the, the paying of, uh, the, the payment for sin being blood, there we go, as well as God not only just paying for our sin, but he's sending it away from us, thereby making us something different. It's the double imputation of Christ, uh, what he not does for us. Yeah, not guilty and righteous at the same time. And, and so it's a beautiful picture, and it's almost as if in the Old Testament it was pointing forward to something that was going to happen later. You know, it was like, it's almost like a foreshadowing.
2: Yeah. I, so can I make a confession here to you guys? My <laughs> my twisted mind and confirmation. Yeah. There, there, Nothing there. has
3: stopped you before. <laughs> yeah.
2: There's always two things that strike me about this passage. And and it was the things that I thought about as a farm kid during confirmation. Oh, no. The first is, so it's very clear that atonement is made once per year. and And literally the very first thing is like, what do you do... Like if you're walking back from the whole atonement <laughs> festival, you stub your toe and like you say bleepity bleep bleep bleep. It's like, oh man, you're going to wait a whole nother year for atonement. You know, that sort of a thing. I always thought it in exactly that way too. Yeah. The other thing is like, what did you do? Like if you're on a farm outside of Jerusalem like This random goat comes walking <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's got the crazy eyes Have you seen Lupe from uh,
3: Ferdinand?
2: Yes, <laughs> yes. Lupe, Lupe yeah. <laughs> She's got the crazy eyes And the teeth going every which way That's what she looks it's like, like that, is that? Do you take that as commentary on how God feels?
3: <laughs> per- perfectly normal goat Before the whole day of atonement uh, And then it looks like Lupe uh, uh,
2: The whole anyways, crowd's so chanting Lupe These Lupe. are what 13 year olds in North Dakota Think uh, about Yes. Oh, this is good. I never thought about that as a
3: 13-year-old in North Dakota, but yeah, you know. well, we've Man, established
2: that, that you're not really the standard uh, bearer for a <laughs> lot of things. I have,
3: listened to creed.
2: Would have been fun to have you as a confirmation student. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, my pastor who confirmed me is still around. You can ask him and Whoa. he will say, oh boy, wow. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> so atonement, again, <laughs> the priest makes atonement and then he sanctifies everything around him, including the people. I think that, that also is very interesting as he makes atonement for the altar, the, the tabernacle, the priests, and the people. And yeah. this is really interesting as we think about Jesus, because the other thing we're, we're forgetting, Jesus was the dose goats, mm-hmm. and he was, <laughs> he was the priest, but Jesus was also the tabernacle. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, so he's. you I mean, he's filling this, and like you said, this, you're obviously now with in, in light of the cross, in light of the empty tomb, looking back, and this is so obviously pointing forward to Jesus.
3: And we bring absolutely nothing to the table but our own broken sinfulness. Yeah. And well, shame and mm. guilt and everything, and
2: he takes it all. Yeah, takes you it... arrive with your sin and you leave healed. You leave mm. reconciled. That's mm. that. At, that's why at one makes sense is because there's been a reconciliation that God no longer counts you as your eni- As his enemy, he rather adopts you into his family. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and, and they didn't have to. They didn't take pride in the fact that they were doing nothing here. It they. They just received it. Well, it was obvious, right? <clears throat> what are mm-hmm. you going
2: to do if you're a sinner to please God? You can't even exist in God's presence to stand before him to try mm-hmm. to make it up to him, right? It's, that's the whole thing is that, you know, if our conception as humans is that we have to do something for God, you just have to stop right there and think about how ridiculous that is. What are you possibly going to do for God? Hmm. You know, if God is who you say God is, and he's the almighty, all-powerful God of the universe, he's completely perfect, he's completely imminent, you know, just go down the list of everything that God is, even in the systematic theologies, and then our first reaction is, oh no, I uh, did this thing, I better do something for God. What does he need? What are you possibly going to do? which is why God talks about our sin in Scripture in such drastic terms, because the only thing our sin can do is damn us. Hmm. you know? Hmm. Uh, our our sin should cause us to react with woe and terror because we've severed a relationship with God, and we are, at the behest of his grace and mercy, it just so happens that when we cry to him for grace and mercy, that's exactly what he shows up with because of Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. It, you know, one of the words that that stands out to me in this text too is just the the idea of being clean or to be cleansed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. In verse, I think it was 30, yeah, 30, made made for you, atonement shall be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. Uh, what a what a powerful uh, word to use there. you know, something we all relate to, but uh, referring to our sins. And
2: that's, that's Isaiah 1.18 language, yeah. right? Yep, you yep. wash and you will be whiter than snow. Mm-hmm. Is this idea that sin is a stain, it's a taint, it's yeah. a corruption, that we are filthy. Remember, all our sins are filthy rags. Isaiah talks about that language too. And uh, it's why the imagery of baptism is so powerful, hmm. that baptism cleans us not as a washing of water, but as a washing of the soul. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Not as a removal of dirt from the flesh, but a pledge of a clean conscience, or more appropriately, the ESV, an appeal to God for a clean conscience. Only way that comes is when our sins are gone, right? Nope. Hmm. So I- interesting. Yeah, there, there's so much here, and, and it's obvious that this points forward. Random story that uh, it says, This shall be a statute to you forever that on that day you shall do these things. Um, it, it's interesting because we as christians really we don't do this. We, we we celebrate the you know good friday, but we're not commanded in scripture. We're not commanded in scripture to to celebrate good friday. We do so because it's an act of worship for what god has done. And it's fully appropriate that we do so. But it's not commanded in a yearly ritual, right? It's interesting to me that the jews to this day, even if they're not really that jewish, I mean, mm, there, there yeah. may be Jewish ethnically, but not really spiritually. Yom Kippur. Yom yeah. Kippur is still a huge day. It, it yep. reminds me, I, I've i uh, I've referenced now, not on air, but a couple of times as we've talked today, uh, I, I used to drive by uh, these places going to hospital visits when I was uh, a pastor in Pittsburgh. And I had mentioned earlier that I had driven by the place where R.C. Sproul was ordained. And, and another hospital I went to, I drove by a Jewish synagogue. And the day of Yom Kippur was... A very difficult day to get to the hospital because it's like every Jew in Pittsburgh went, especially in the South Hills of Pittsburgh. Every Jewish person in the South Hills of Pittsburgh ended up at this synagogue on that day to make sure that whatever going on here, I get a part of it. Huh. You know, I want, and they still to this day. And I'm I'm way oversimplifying this to those who are you know know people who are you know Orthodox Jews and different things. I understand that there's a spiritual element here, but. It's it's like, you got to go to church, you know, twice a year, Christmas and Easter. I mean, Yom Kippur, they got to hit that one. You well, know?
2: And what's interesting you say that is that's exactly what I was going to equate it with uh, when, you know, yeah. when road construction season hits, there's been a number of times since I've been at my church in South Minneapolis where the freeways have been closed. And so one of the surface street area uh, routes that I take home takes me right by the largest ELCA church in Minnesota, it's a church hmm. called Mount Olivet.
1: uh, Is that the one with the cross that fell? No, No, that that was was First Lutheran downtown. Oh, sorry, sorry.
2: Now, this is is kind of on the edge of South Minneapolis, right on the border of Edina. And I drive by it. It's really hard to get through that corridor on Easter Sunday Mm -hmm. (laughs) and on Christmas Eve. uh, It's almost a nothing burger on normal Sundays. Mm-hmm. But it, this is the problem with the Jews in the Old Testament, and I can assume it carries forward to Jewish people today, and it's the problem of Christians who miss the atonement, is that it's the works we do mm. in the act of doing them that become valuable, so that the expression of our faith ends up being mere superstition. Mm -hmm. That somehow, you know, as long as I try to be a good person and I go to church two days out of the year, I'm going to placate God's wrath. And and the funny part is,
3: is they're doing exactly in that what it's commanded in the text not to do. In this, you shall do nothing. (laughs) It's like, I got to show up. Yeah. I gotta be there. And and truthfully they, they were. And there's that's not considered work. I understand that. But that's exactly what they're doing. It's the it's the idea of it, it flies in the whole face of I've gotta go do this to make sure I'm good. Right? We yeah. do it's the same thing in, in, in the Christian church. You know, I've got to go to church on, on Christmas Eve and in Easter so that when I see the big guy upstairs, I have mm-hmm. some, you know, I have some evidence to point to that I belong here. You know, it's like all of it becomes about you, about you, about you. And that's, uh, that's exactly what the text tells them not to do. <laughs> Just, Just shut up, be quiet, sit still, yeah. yep. and don't do this.
2: And that's a, that's a doubly negative assumption because in one, God is too small. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you, you automatically lose the sovereignty of God and the, the almightiness of God. And then our assumption of us is too big. And it comes from that false, faulty notion that we are, in and of our nature, good. That we've, we've done bad things, but we are mostly good. And so that, you know, our conception of being good then becomes things that we can achieve instead of an impossibility. And the, the power of atonement comes that we are, in and of ourselves, evil. And in turn, we do evil things so that our whole lives apart from Jesus are spent heaping evil upon evil upon evil in the presence and in the sight of God. Mm-hmm. And Jesus comes in with his blood and he sheds that blood in our place. And God looks at us and he receives us as his child, not because we deserve it, but because Jesus deserves it. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. We, we talked about this you know, a bit ago, but Tim, Tim we well, didn't talk about this. Tim Keller, Pastor Tim Keller, Redeemer, uh, Presbyterian in New York, as we record this, his, uh, he just recently has passed away. It'll be
2: about a month ago when
3: the episode airs. Oh, and, sure, and as this uh, one of the things that I remember about him was, you know and, and, and we can sit and argue the finer points of theology, but the man, the man knew the gospel and what he did was he saw Jesus in the scriptures in all of the scriptures, and, and how, how he would always say that, that Jesus is, uh, he is, like you said, those goats. He is the priest. <laughs> he, is the ta- I mean, he is everything. He is absolutely everything. And we know this, not because it's a really neat way of twisting the story. We know this because Hebrews tells us it is. Yeah. It, it te- he tells us that, I mean, it tells us that the blood of bulls and goats could never atone for sin. This was never a thing. It was a, it was a placeholder. It was a marker to remember, to remind the people, be looking for this because you need this. And, and their, their salvation, and, and we have to be clear on this, because of all of that, because that Jesus was the true and better, all of these things, we have to be absolutely sure and clear that this going to this act did not save the people. It was confidence in the one who was to come. It was confidence in the promise of God to forgive sins, even though they wouldn't have put a name Jesus Christ to it, uh, which would have been, you know, very much an English, you know, English way of saying it, or Jesus Christos, a very Greek way of saying it. They wouldn't have known that that language at this time. They don't can't put a name to him, but what they can say. Yeshua, I suppose. Yeshua Moshiach. (laughs) Jesus the Messiah, that God saves, right? That they're looking to the promise. And that's what saved. That's something that gets confused in this passage. A lot of times people think, see, they just went to this, they, you know, they, whatever, this is how God did it in the past. Now he does it differently in Jesus in the future. No, it was all about Jesus. It all points forward to him. It was never the blood of bulls and goats that did this. It wasn't the priest who did it. It was them as they stood in the place of the one who would be the ultimate those things.
2: Well, and the thing to point out, when you have something in scripture like this that is pointing forward to Jesus and it was never the end in itself, every prophecy of Jesus and every revealing of atonement in the Old Testament is a commentary on Genesis 3.15. Mm-hmm. In Genesis 3.15, God plants the heart and soul of the gospel that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the seed of the serpent, right? And the rest of the Old Testament is what does this look like? And then Jesus shows
1: up and he accomplishes it. Mm-hmm. Uh, amen. Um, yeah, so I, we're definitely seeing justification in the Old Testament here uh, as we look at this passage on atonement. Um, let's let's start to wrap up this episode. Any other uh, thoughts on this text and uh, thinking of the atonement? And I, I guess I don't know if we covered this a little bit, but just seems like everything gets a uh, is made atonement for around like the sanctuary and and uh, all all of that. Um, is that a- any significance for us to consider that?
2: Well, you have
1: the the redeeming
2: value of atonement is that everything is made holy.
1: Then. Mm-hmm. And, yeah.
2: and the, the end
3: times as well, the es- eschatologically, yeah. you're seeing all things being made, not just holy, but new.
2: Yeah, it's the redeeming of creation. There's a lot of an element in that. Mm-hmm. But it's also an element, a little bit of God working through means. Mm-hmm. Right, so that he has sanctified the things of this world to point us to the things of the world to come. Set them aside. Set them aside. And, yeah. and that's the okay. whole idea of, of holiness yeah. is to be set apart, right? Yeah. And so that what makes something holy now is clearly tied to the blood of Christ. And so it. it in a way, it, this isn't the direct application of the passage, but we want to be clear that one of the effects of it in a way then is it shows us that our holiness isn't based on performance. Our holiness is based on who Jesus is, right? Mm-hmm. And so there is a way to be holy and that is to act according to God's word. But we are holy because Jesus acted according to God's word in our place.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a- amen.
2: I think one of the things
3: too, and this, this is going outside of our text, and typically we like to stay within that text that we look at, but um, one of the, the major lessons that I think we can learn from this particular uh, study is that justification isn't a New Testament reality. Justification, we, we do that sometimes, especially when we start talking. Only, right? Exactly.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, that, that's what I yeah, meant. Justification is yep. in the
2: New Testament at all? Yeah,
3: <laughs> it's not in the New Testament. It's only in the Old. Though, uh, um, yeah. the, the reality, though, is we we think about um, we think about justification, or. A lot of other theological concepts in terms of New Testament realities, and you kind of get that dual God kind of thing. What was that? Is that Donatists that believed in the two—the Old Testament God and the New Testament Manichaeans? The, that um, I, I, I gotta really start memorizing my old, you know, the early church heresies because it's a lot more fun when you can say it with confidence those words <laughs> like manichaeism
2: manichaeism marcion you know yeah just marcion he did marcion. That. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: marcion was the guy I was trying yeah. to think of don't say like me trying to say apostolic modicum or yeah. whatever yeah Apotelis 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 there you see, go see i still see, yeah, I already messed it up how
3: many that. months later and i still <laughs> yeah. have it no the 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 nature of the old testament all points to this abraham's call is is you know a quintessential picture of this and paul he interprets the Old Testament for us. He saying Abraham was not saved because he got up and left and went to, Ur, you know, left Ur and went, you know, to the place where God had called him. He wasn't you know, saved because he was willing to sacrifice Isaac. Those are all evidences of, of a work that God had done in him. And he had confidence in the promises of God. It's confidence in the promise of God that uh, brings justification for us today. So from a New Testament perspective, and we'll look at this, of course, next week, But from a New Testament perspective, when we think about justification, it's no different. It's promise that that God has made promises to us. He has used means to bring those promises to us. And that, you know, the means of his word most, most prominently too, is he declares these things to be true. He says, this is what I've done for you. Believe it. And that's what it is for us today. It's not going to church, although, like we talked about last week, it's good to go to church. It's a part of your Christian vocation as we are fed, you know, the the word of God, as we go to receive the gifts that he has for us as we go out to serve him in the world. All of those things are are right and good, but we don't go there just to kind of check a box so that we're okay. Correct.
1: Yep. Amen.
2: And as we wrap up the episode, one thing is, Brian, if you're listening to this as you uh, produce this, just so (laughs) Brett doesn't feel bad about not being able to say Apotelus Brian, if you would just drop a quick Mephibosheth (laughs) under the end of this episode,
1: everyone else would feel better. Thanks. Yes, wow, that's a great callback. Yeah, there we go. Right, all right, amen.
0: Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at BeanLutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. You are all invited to the Summer Institute of Theology, happening August 7th through the 11th at the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota. Join pastors and lay people from around the country for training in apologetics, congregational leadership, systematic theology, and studies in the Psalms. Find a full list of electives and registration information at flbc.edu sit. God bless you and have a great week.